You don't just start playing baseball and then instantly make it to the major leagues. You have to work hard to get there. You have to have a game plan to get yourself to be the MVP. The Most Valuable Producers podcast is not for the average agent. You can't be average to become the MVP. Just like in the big leagues. You can't just be a one or two or three tool player. You have to be a five tool player to become the MVP. You can make a difference in someone's life every single day in this job, in this career, in this industry. What's your game plan? This is your host of the show, Mitch Gibson. You are listening to the MVP Podcast. What is going on, loyal listeners? It's your boy, Mitch Gibson, uh, with a special guest today on the MVP Podcast. This is a guy that I've actually been watching his stuff for quite a while. Um, I was kind of introduced to him via through Bradley Flowers, um, who's another phenomenal insurance producer and um, forward thinker in this industry. And just like my boy Aaron Gordon, he is—he's a dude that's that's killing it. He's making change not only just in uh, within his company and with his his state, but he's also making a change within the industry in a whole. Um, he's a thought leader. He owns and is the uh, owner of Gordon Companies, the insurance is it insurance group. Aaron, insurance agency, Gordon Companies. Called Gordon Companies Insurance Agency. Um, my parents still own it, but yeah, kind of. There we go. Gordon just, Companies just in Insurance Agencies. There we go. Mom and dad. Hello. 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 You've got a good, a son that's got uh, great knowledge and is going to take this thing to the next level. And uh, we're going to hop into that here and change some young agents lives today. Um, we're going to, we're going to briefly discuss as we get into the show here, um, we're, we're going to briefly discuss a little bit on the, you know, the old male pale and stale agencies and how we're, where we need to be forward thinking as young insurance producers. Uh, and then we'll get into some of the digital content strategy that Aaron's doing, because I think it's making a difference on all aspects um, of his game and then also making an impact on people like myself that need to get my ass into gear and start doing the same exact thing. So Aaron, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today, my man. It's great to have you. It's great to be with you. I should say not to have you great to be with you. And uh, it's nothing like starting the morning with this. It's we're getting to the end of the week, but uh, I, I love your podcast. I love what you're doing. I love your energy. We got to meet, uh, gosh, it's over a month ago now, but, uh, it was just, you know, even just sitting by the bar together. I, one of the things that I love most about this industry, that's probably a good segue is, uh, the young people that I get to meet. One of the things that was daunting to me when I started uh, as a summer intern here now, 15, 16 years ago was the pale, stale, and male version of the insurance industry. And for me, it wasn't just pale, stale, and male. It was pale, stale, male, and I don't know what rhymes, but old. And I would go to all these industry events, and it was like my dad, who's now 81, thank God, still working every day. But he was definitely part of the older guard. But there weren't you know, guys in T-shirts, you know, the Mitches of the world, the Bradleys of the world, the Andrew Ryans of the world, and even the Aaron Gordons of the world. I felt like kind of this fish out of water. And what I'm seeing more of is that agencies, either the principals who are starting scratch and you and I have met some of those amazing young hustlers and things like that, or the, the agency principals are starting to realize that you got to bring the next generation in earlier. So we're getting to see those people in the field sooner than they would have before. And that just pumps us up with energy, right? Cause that's what, that's what this is about. I agree. So the, I'm going to get right into it. I'm not even going to, we're not even going to go down the beaten path of your story and whatnot, because I think a lot of people can do that by just following you on social media and, and learning. NY Risk Advisor, path. hit the follow. New York, NY Risk Advisor, the NY is New York, obviously. So NY Risk Advisor, go hit him, hit him follow on uh, all social media platforms. He's, he's doing a great job. But the thing that when, when we, when I think about, you know, a young producer being thrown into an older style agency, right? The one we just, the one that you just described that, that your parents have owned for, or that parents have owned and you've been a part of for 15 years. The, the thing that I think a lot of people struggle, even myself, is how to gain the trust 
of those principal agency owners who are the older, older style, maybe old school style, um, getting their trust and understanding of where this industry is going technology wise and in the future and why it's in, why it's important that we adapt to some of these, some of these tactics and these tools and processes now, because there's other agencies that are doing it at a high level, who's, who's, who've adapted to it and have either trusted somebody's word for it, seen results or whatever it is. So how do young agents gain that trust to maybe even have a conversation? Um, I know it might vary depending on the agency size. How do, how do young agents gain that trust with the principal owner to, Hey, here's an, here's an idea. I think we need to think about. I think that first, that's a great question. And that's so my road was a little bit different, but I think that there's one thing that all what we'll call more senior people struggle with, with our generation and that they feel for whatever reason that we're lazy and uneducated. And that doesn't mean that you have to have a master's degree. No one, one of the beauties of the insurance agency channel is you don't have to be a rocket scientist. And that's not meant to be offensive to any listeners, but I'm no rocket scientist. So it was always a people industry, but there was a certain knowledge base. And as people get older, they feel like, hey, if we want to push the trusted advice, let's make sure that we're not just internet salespeople. And I think that the most important thing that a young person can do, especially on the sales side, is show that senior leadership that they're interested in learning. That doesn't mean that your, that your principal may force you to read a 500-page policy. But I can guarantee any young producer that when they're prospecting, it could be anything, you know, we, our longest running client is a home heating oil dealer. So for me, I was forced to quote unquote, and I'm, I, I, I value the fact that I had to learn the difference between home heating oil and auto gasoline and things like that in terms of combustibility and all that kind of stuff, because I had to understand it. But if I was, if I was going to my dad with that prospect, the best thing that I could do is either a find something in a policy that I don't understand. And you know what I mean? Not the generic stuff, but something deep in the pollution side or in that vicarious liability, things like that, or something in the exposure and say, hey, I'm learning about this exposure so that they then feel on the principal side that they can trust you because most insurance agencies, and it's changing a little bit now, but you know, I wear my, my name on my chest. That's not, not just, if I, my last name wasn't Gordon, it would still be there. So that means that the person who started this agency, they view their personal name and their brand as linked. So for them to turn that over to you, the next generation, whether you're a child or not, you have to earn that. And how do you earn that? By gaining that trust and showing that you might do it differently. Technology, apps, Zoom meetings, you know, wear a t-shirt instead of a tie, that's fine, but you still got to have that knowledge. Sure. You know, the barrier to entry in insurance agencies is so low and that's not knocking us. Like you don't have to be a lawyer. You don't have to be an accountant. That when you come in, you got to show those senior people that you're in it to win it trusted advisor style, not just sales and, and leave. Sure. And I guess to kind of feedback off of that and to put it in perspective in real time and as a, a real time, I guess, real person experiencing that, I've been in this agency almost five years, right? Um, I've done my due diligence. I work hard. I do what I'm supposed to be doing. I, and I do go about my business the way I should be going about it as a producer, right? Um, yeah. Have I wrote $3 million in business? No. You know, it is, is that obviously goal related for where I want to be at the end of this year? Yes. Right. But the biggest thing that I've noticed and, and, and me maybe being impatient and the young generation being impatient with, I need to put in my time and effort. It's like playing baseball, showing up as a freshman on a varsity to a varsity practice or to a varsity game. And you may not get the opportunities 
as a freshman to play varsity, depending on skill level and work ethic and all this jazz, right? But you're not just going to show up to practice the first time. Coach may not know who the heck you are, and you're just going to put in, you're going to go to practice every single day. You don't, you don't, the game doesn't know you anything. You're not expected to play varsity baseball your freshman. You're not expected to do this. Is it achievable? Absolutely. But it takes hard work, dedication, and, and work ethic to prove to who? The coaches. So use your principal owners as the coaches in this perspective. You got to prove to the coaches that you're you're the one that they want to put out on the field on the Friday night doubleheader conference game at shortstop, right? Same thing goes on here in the insurance agency. You want to be an agency owner? I do. I wish I could buy this agency right this second. I've hinted it. I want to so bad, but you know there's one missing piece. There's one missing piece. I haven't shown them that I can produce at a high, high level enough and to show them that they can trust me and I, me knowing about the industry, knowing what I'm doing, knowing the companies like the back of my hand, knowing how to look at a financial. There's a lot of things that go into being an agency owner, especially for an established business like HRM and where I'm at. Okay. And then on the back inside of things, as I've been there now almost five years, like I said, we have about a 10, $10.5 million book of business. As that book continues to grow, it wasn't like that four years ago when I started. We've all wrote business. We have the same eight people, seven people in the office. Well, what's going to happen when you get more business? You need more bodies to help service. You need more people in there to help grow the business. But you know, the cool thing about where this industry is going, Aaron, is the technology and the processes and the things and the tools are out there to where you may not have to hire four or five different people. So for well, me, it's you- like, real, real, this is this is, this is is awesome. Yeah, You're going to love this. Might lead way off of what you're going to say. But I saw... We're getting ready to pull the trigger on WonderWrite because application process sucks. Like if we would if we would take our time for apps and shriek them in half, we could probably write two times the most the the, the more business, right? So I seen so I saw Brent and our CSRs off the commercial line CSRs office yesterday, and they've got this about one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollar account laid out, and they've got a court apps, and she's he's writing on it, and she's plugging it in, typing it, and I peeked in, and I'm going. We pull that trigger on that that uh, that application process. You're going to be damn sure happy that we did it. But I showed I tr- he trusted me that I was going to have a conversation. I showed him the process. I showed him why it's beneficial. Showed him the ROI by showing that he saw that I put in the work and the effort to prove to him why it's beneficial and important to the agency. And we're going to pull the trigger on it. That's what it takes. Not hey, check this out. I think it's going to work. Show them how it's going to work and benefit, and then put it in action. Well, I'll give you that. First of all, you hit on. Amazing points, and this is why I love you. But I'll give you two two comments on that. Number one, and I love the baseball analogy. There's one major difference between that analogy and the and insurance agencies, and that's the benefit of the young producer. And that's when you show up to that varsity practice. There's not a chance you're getting into that game that first week. You're still going to show up to practice. You still got to work hard. But I have never met an agency principal who didn't want their young producer to succeed because then they make money. So they might not, let's take individual cases out. But if you say to the principal the first day, listen, I know you have a, I, next time you have a big call, I just want to sit in your office and just listen. I won't even have a microphone. I'll sit on mute. I just want to, I want to watch. And you do that over and over again. They, they'll take you to prospect meetings and then you can, you're literally in the game. You're in the game. You're, you're the guy sitting in left field and not a single ball gets hit to left field, but you at least get to put, you know, you at least get to be in the game. You're on the scorecard. And that helps you grow. But the thing about our business is the more you grow, the more successful the agency is. Now, you're right. you got to trust on it. And one of the great things about technology and insurance, and I think your example is perfect on that with Wonderwrite, is, and this I think is a mistake that a lot of young people make, I never told anyone who's more senior than me that they would 
what they were doing was wrong. I was just, I just feel that me, my peers, my prospects, and my future business associates may want to do things differently. So we have one to write. And I don't, we have a producer who's been doing the same thing for 40 years in this industry. He produces one line of business, mostly jewelers block. He has his clients and they've been doing things this way. I think that he's nuts. I think he uses way too much paper. I can't believe he still goes and personally picks up paper checks, but you know what? It works for him. So I'm not forcing him to do anything. I'm sure. just saying, if you reach out to me, Mitch, and you want to work with me, you're going to get a submission through WonderWrite. You're going to get e-signature. You're going to get the option to pay online. Now, if you want me to come pick up a check, I'll do that too. But, And that doesn't mean person X who's been doing that for 20, 30, 40 years is, is wrong. But the other thing about it is, right, most technology in the insurance agency space, space take AMSs out, is really cheap. That you can ROI to your agent. And, buy, and then, I mean, the best example with us is we didn't have any way to pay online before COVID. And opportunistically, we literally, I think, onboarded ePay February of 2020. Wow. Now, when New York shut down, and obviously we're in different parts of the country, there's no way that our business would have been able to as efficiently maintain through that crisis if we didn't have an online payment platform. Are there people that still want to mail us checks? Sure, go for it, man. I'm not going to tell you not to. But nine times out of 10, the people who we thought would never want to pay online, everybody pays online now. Well, what you do so, is you pivoted. You, you pivoted. You didn't change the way you're doing things forever, right? You just kind of pivoted a little bit to adjust to, one, the economical issues and then the, the pandemic issues. That's where you've got to become creative as a producer and, or and, even and an I'm not saying owner, that right? anyone who does it, who, I, you know, I'm very fortunate. I, lived, I live and lived a very privileged life. This agency provided that for me. And my parents working very hard provided that for me. So who am I to say that things are wrong? All that I can say is, hey, by the way, you know, my kind of people, they like being able to sign something from their phone. You know, insure sign at the time is like 10 bucks a month. Sure. If I return that, you know, you can take that out of my commission. And then it's most, most agency principals don't, don't really, you know, don't operate that way. Like they'll, they'll work with you. Again, you're not making a million dollar investment. So that would be my. We were, we were just talking about how, um, you know, adopt, uh, trying to get other, you know, older agencies adopted to specific, you know, processes or systems that other people are using. Talk to me about that a little bit in, in regards to not every piece of technology works for everybody. Not every system or process is going to be beneficial to your business. Cause we just, you just talked about how the ePay policy or using a online uh, pay paying platform was beneficial to you guys, right? But Junior over here, who's been doing it for 40 years the same way, well, or been doing it the same way, going to pick up paper checks, paper this, paper that. Um, that can those processes aren't for every every agency, correct? I mean, what what, what, I, I what are, what are that, you? I think that it's rare for me to admit that I'm wrong, right? Because whatever, but just as my wife, but I think that. One of the areas that I've been most surprised is the actual adoption of technology by people that I didn't think would adopt it. Who, who, who is know, that? Though? Who do you think that it would be? Like, app, what do you mean by that? I think the older generation. I think the okay. older generation who I didn't think would be into technology is more into it than I thought, which is fine, you know, which I like, but there's a lift there. And I think that 
when I, when I look at our business, what creeps or spooks my parents and I out is when we've been working with a vendor or service provider for so many years doing things this way. And all of a sudden they drop a, we were acquired by an agency management system and we use paper. Like everyone can agree that that wasn't great. Everyone can agree that manually typing up statements, but you have to figure out what works for you. And the most important thing is how you introduce it to your existing clients. New business is easy, right? Once someone's in that funnel that way, it works out. 60 days out, every single year, someone from your agency calling them 60 days out for the last 30 years, sending them an automated email from your CRM, even if it doesn't feel spammy, is going to spook them out. And right. So call them and say, Hey, we started using this this year. I'm going to send you, I'm we're working together again. I just want to let you know, we're working on something that's to be more efficient. I'm, I hope we can come meet again. I just wanted you to know that when the time comes, I'm going to send you a link to e-sign everything. So you don't even have to worry about printing it anymore. Not what you did, but what you did though, Aaron, is you, you, you are trying to get them to adopt an a non-forceful away, right? Exactly. Hey, I've if got you this say, coming. Look in for order it. to work with me, you have to do this. Sure. People are like, well, hold on. You know, it's, it, I find that it's interesting. We, we get a lot of calls in, in New York and everywhere, you know, across the country, there's still this crazy, you know, M&A boom in insurance agencies. So we get a lot of calls from people who were previously with mom and pop agencies like ours. And they're, they get an, they get a letter and email from their agency that their agency was acquired. And then, they kind of go through the carrier list and they say, okay, they know that they don't want to be with a big agent. Those are for some people, not for them. And they go, you know, past Marsh, Willis, Aon Gallagher, Brown and Brown, and we're the name on the list. So they call Gordon and they reach us and then we get to work with them. And what, what is remarkable to me is all these agencies that are acquiring, that are the acquirers and they haven't figured out how to really craft the message well so that they don't lose those businesses. Why is it, why is it necessary? And if you disagree with me, go for it. The day that the deal signs for agency X to sell to, and I'm just picking this out of a hat, but sure. it's not it's not meant to Acrisure. Why do they send out an email that first day when the deal's not going to close till eight months from then? It has zero impact on their client. Zero. They actually tell their client in the email, this is going to have no impact on you. It's not like you legally have to say anything. You don't. It's just for sure. PR. Why not wait till the day before or on all the renewals say, hey, listen, hey, Mitch, I know we've worked together for 20 years. I uh, just want to let you know that we we just formed a strategic partnership. We're now part of this larger organization called Acrisure. Don't worry. Here's my cell phone number. You can still you can still my cell whenever you need. Just want you to know the documents are going to look a little different than our address has changed. You're not going to switch. Sure. But if you get a generic email saying in eight months from now, we hope to close a deal to sell the agency, that's a fire sale. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think it's just the I think it's the un, the, the the understanding of trying to put yourself in that consumer's shoes in all assets, not the way that you see, right? Because we're we're still so generational. Or I feel like our timeline of generations so big. Like where where we're at right now in our lives, it's so consumed with I think a pretty equal base of age and and and, and demographic. Maybe to me that's just us. So you still got to be forward thinking in the way of how can I get it done with customer A in a timely manner without causing any issues or frustrating them to leave because of the way I'm doing process. And then I got this guy over here who's 23 years old buying his first house and doesn't want to do anything but have everything on his cell phone, wants to text me. 
wants to send me a picture of a signed app wants to whatever that might be, you know, Hey, send me, say, I need your, I need your proof of closing, closing or your sales disclosure. So I can give you this new home buyer's discount, things like that. They'd rather communicate this way, but Susie, who's 86 wants me to come by and sit at our kitchen table with her. I'm going to go do that. Like you said, you can't just be so forward thinking of this is the way I'm going to do things for the rest of my career as an insurance agent. The second you do that, you are in lack of better terms, F U U U. You know what I mean? You're right. screwed. And 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 what's interesting is, you know, insurance agencies historically have had such a great retention rate. And one of the reasons why was because people felt like that they had that relationship. And so what's what what's interesting about our agency, and I, I bet a lot of listeners can sympathize with this, is my dad's 81, thank God he's been doing this for 60 years. Good for so him. So when he when he was our age, when he was your age or my age, right? you're inherently selling to people, the business owners and those valuable homeowners are, always, are usually older than you when you're in your 20s and 30s. So those people are in their 90s plus, right? So a lot of those people, unfortunately, are deceased and we're quote unquote losing business to death more than we lose to anything else. Correct. Which is a natural sales cycle. And I think if the young people realize that that happens, that that attrition happens over time. So each year you can have less and less people who are in your old funnel and every sale you make are in the new funnel. So if even if you don't like making those calls, this year you're making 30, next year you're making 28, the next year you're making 20, next, 10 years from now, you're not going to be making any of those calls anymore, right? Susie, 10 years from now, I think you and I can agree, there's going to be no Susie who wants you to come sit at her dining table. I agree. If they do, if it's going to be rare. You're, you might you know have 20, saying? 30 out of your whole book. You know what I'm saying? Whereas now it might be half of your book. You have to, you have to separate the old and the new and back to your original question, the most important thing in my, or one of the most important things that you can say to the principal is that existing core foundation business, which pays the rent on this office, I'm not touching. Sure. I'm not telling them to change anything. By the way, I might even not, I might not even, you don't even have to offer them the digital if you don't want to. I'm just saying for my people going forward, this is how I'm going to, this is going to be the sales process and it's illegal and it's, you know, and all that kind of sure. stuff. Right. But what what on the personal line side of things real quick, those young agents out there, what what kind of things should young producers, and maybe I should ask you this question before we even get on the, in the, on the call, um, but what what type of thing for those personal lines agents or producers, what, what type of things should they be focusing on and thinking about as they are either quoting a, pro, quoting a homeowner's insurance policy or auto insurance policy or meeting with a prospect? What are some things that they need to keep in mind, whether that's even building relationships with referral partners? What are maybe a couple of top three items for you when selling personal lines insurance? So I think referral partners are huge. I think that that's the, the foundation that this industry was built on and it will, it will always remain that way. We can do as much digital marketing as you want, but there, there's nothing better than a referral partner uh, intro. I think that when I started, I wasn't convinced, especially on the personal side, that this was going to exist. I didn't, if you would have asked me in the summer of 2012, when I was working in the agency, if in March of 2022, I'd be talking to you and we'd be talking about the fact that probably the most profitable part of our agency is still our personal lines book, I would have told you you were absolutely nuts. But I think that when you, and this is very hard, it was hard for me and my parents just kept reminding me and fortunately they were right. You can't sell to the bottom line. You just can't. And sometimes, and I, this is a big thing that I've had to focus on. I'm glad that I have mentors that have, you gotta, you gotta know who your ideal client is. And that doesn't mean that you won't sell to someone else, but it just means that if you're gonna, if we're gonna say that we're trusted advisors and we're gonna say that we have a value add and that's us being in the room, 
then you have to trust me on my product. That doesn't mean that you should spend a hundred times the next guy. But what that means is if I tell you that this is the value add for you and you don't believe in it, I can't sell some, a dumbed down product because then when there is a claim and I can have the value add, you know, one of the things we do is we, we don't offer any personalized products that don't include personal injury. And we have some carriers that you can check that box or uncheck it. It's not even a thing. It's not even a thought in our office not to include it. Why? Because people get burned that way. Now, if you, if you think that it's too expensive and you found another carrier that's willing to give you a personal injury exclusion or a water backup exclusion with every carrier we work with, some it's the full value on the personal line side, some it's sublimited, but we always take the highest limit. Now, if you think that it's not worth it when you see that line item of $400 a year for a $25,000 you know, water backup sublimit, and you think you don't need it or you think you need 5,000, if I give you the 5,000 and I don't believe in it, and you have a $10,000 loss, I'm screwed. I'm finished. Part of my friend, finished. Because I, I let you beat me for $100. And now you're not going to remember that. And I can't even, I told you so. Your basement is flooded with sewage. I can't, I told you so. It's done. But if you didn't work with me, and then you called me when you had a claim, I don't say I told you so, but a nicer I told you so, hey, let's make sure this doesn't happen again. Take this. That guy is spending, he'll spend an extra five grand. Forget about 500, he'll spend five grand. Sure. Because he just wasted 20 grand on that claim and got nothing from his insurance company. So I think you have to figure out what's important to you in terms of that value and stick to it. I love and that you said, be, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm saying, it, it could be, it could be that, that you're an equipment breakdown junkie. It could be that you're a cyber junkie and that you don't sell any personal lines products without a little bit of a cyber kicker. That's fine. Know that you'll lose a couple pieces of business. That's fine. But you got to you gotta stick with that. You know, it, we don't sell policies here unless we cannot find a carrier that will do it. We don't sell less than a million dollars in liability. It's just so cheap. Yep. And I don't need somebody getting a $750,000 loss and then only having a half a million dollars when it's $18 a year from 500 to Change in difference, right. Absolutely. One thing that I liked, love that you just said, Aaron, was in the regards to what's your ideal prospect, your ideal client. So one thing, one thing that has helped me out a lot when I'm with, I've got three or four different referral partners that are consistently sending me stuff, right? Each one of those referral partners are sending me a different type of client. Not a bad thing. Each one of them write, might write mortgages for $250,000 in premium or $250,000 in price down. The other one might write $350,000. I got a guy that's writing half a million dollar homes and up only, right? So one thing that I had to do a better job of instead of spending so much time, you know, we don't have a rater. We don't have a rater. We only, we got six primary carriers, brokers, whatever it is. And that's fine with me. But one thing that I had to do to become more efficient was identifying those, those prosper, those ideal clients for each company. So for me, and by the way, that, that, that can be fluid. That can be fluid. You can realize, Oh, Hey, I didn't think that I thought I only wanted the 500,000 and up, but you know what? A good referral partner of mine sent me one that was 250. Let's just say, right now you're going to, you're going to break the mold for that person. And you should, I'm not saying you should say no to everybody. And then you might realize that, Hey, through embedded, through some other things that might become a good silo for me. I just think that maybe a better way to say it and tell me if I'm right on this is you got to know who your definite, not ideal client is hundred percent, 100%. This person. And by, and, and that doesn't mean we can, we know people who specialize in difficult to place comp that may or may not be your thing. I wish I did more auto. I don't because I've never just, it's hard for me to get to personal auto, but if that's your thing, go for it and you'll be better. You know what I'm saying? 
Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. Hold on, I'm getting ready to take. I'm getting ready to answer Andy Matheson's call right here live on yeah, the show. Yeah, let's do it live. Hold on a second, Andy, can you hear me? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, hey, what's up, you're on Zoom call with me and Aaron Gordon. We're on the MVP podcast recording episode. Get out of town. What's up, Aaron Gordon? How are you, number one? What's up, Andy? He said, "What's, what's up, up we're Andy?" Gonna, we're, we're, this is a perfect segue. Oh, we're gosh, about to get into agency technologies. Great. In the middle of recording, we're gonna we're getting ready to talk about some agency or agency technology. So we might we might might be able to uh, pop pop in a little bit of some things you guys got going on here. But had to answer and say hello for us. I appreciate you. I appreciate you both. This is epic. I was listening to one of your episodes yesterday. You you always crush it, man. Good work. Absolutely. Well, I'll give you a call after the show's over. I had to do it. Good stuff, man. All right, Talk brother. Peace. Sorry, interrupted by. Uh, by Andy Maths in a glove box, but yeah, well, before we get into the technology piece of things, Aaron, um, the the other thing about you, you're talking about identifying that not so ideal client. Those clients were not just causing a headache from the beginning; they will cause a headache throughout the rest of the time that that person's 100%. in that customer experience, and it will be miserable. So when you hear people talk about at some point you'll start firing clients, it's okay to not even hire a client from the beginning because that'll save you better. time. It's better a lot better because. Because, you know, and we've all done it, but there's nothing worse than you knowing that this client experience is going to go south. And you do, now, again, if, if your best referral partner calls you and says, hey, listen, I know this is not what you normally do, but I need your help. So then even if that client experience doesn't work out the way you want, you can say, hey, but Bob, the guy at the bank is happy because I'm taking care of this guy. So that, you know, that makes it more palatable to have that experience. But when someone calls and you know that it's just that they found you online and you know it's not going to work out, but you're kind of like, just want to make a sale. So you do it. And then like a week later, you're just going down a path that you, and then a month later, and then the first renewal comes around. It Listen, it's hard to say, it's hard to turn away money. And I'm not one to say that people should turn away income and money, especially in the difficult times that we live, especially in the inflation environment. I'm just saying, make sure that you understand what you're doing before you get into it and go for it. Right there, I promise you, if you tell me the worst client profile, there's an agent who we could get on this podcast who would tell us, what do you mean that's my dream client? 
I love people that are terrible payers because I bring them in. I introduce them to my pay system. I put them on auto pay. I have an automated system that reminds them that the auto pay, go for it, man. Go for it, dude. And then they value me more. And they are because they're bad payers, I get more premium out of the deal because they have to go to a non-standard market. Go for it, bro. That's just not for me. Sure. I'm just not made from that, but I'm just not made for that. So every person needs to figure that out. And then once you figure that out, you can target that and pick up the stuff on the side also. That doesn't mean you should tell everyone else to drop dead. Yep, I agree. I agree. I think that's great talking. I think that's great points right there too, because I don't I don't think a lot of the listeners, we haven't talked, I haven't talked to a lot of the listeners about this yet in, in regards to the, Hey, firing and, and hiring a client in a prospective way from the beginning, you know, and like you said, the streamlining the process, which, which way does this one work for this carrier, this carrier, which, which client works best for this carrier. Also, there's and, nothing worse than wishing that a client would fire you. Sometimes you just, and there, I feel that. And when you feel when that person calls and you're like, why won't they just find someone else? You say it could be all the money in the world, but if you're, if your blood boils every single time this person calls you, not worth it, man. Just not I agree. It. Either that, or you just don't like this industry. One yeah. of the two things, because there's, I'm sure there's people out there like phone rings, like damn, phone rings. Oh no, phone rings. Gosh, well, that's different. But I'm saying, if you want to be in this industry for the next 30 years, you can find that target, and there's plenty of money to make in that. Whatever sure. it is. Couldn't agree more. Now, feeding back, feeding off of the personal line stuff a little bit, because I think it's extremely important to understand um, that if you're not a personal lines, if you only write personal lines, that's great. You know, but dabbling in commercial lines, I think, is extremely important in the first couple of years of your career because it helps you to learn, learn the process of commercial lines insurance, which guess what? What does a commercial lines business have? Employees. What does a commercial lines business have? Owners. People. They have people, which can turn people can turn into customers if you do the things the right way, correct? So you walk into a manufacturer with 125, 125 employees, put together a life benefits program for them, put, write their home and auto insurance for everybody. And next thing you know it, you're the king of all kings at that facility, not just because you're the commercial lines producer, but you're also the personal lines producer for 50 percent of the employees. Commercial lines. How's commercial lines been for you guys? Um, I know you said that you never thought in 15 years on the road that personal lines would be the pillar and most profitable piece of business. Commercial lines is still a pretty big aspect of Gordon Company's process, right? For sure. And I think you know the the thing about commercial insurance is when you get that that first whatever you define as a big sale, dude, it's like better than any drink. It's better than any drug. And I second you, that. It's like you know you you're just because you say oh, and then and then when you realize. And I'm not knocking personal lines because I, and I want to get back to your point about the, what I call the glue, but dude, you can, in one phone call, I can make a hundred grand. Like that's crazy. Now those are harder to get to, but I think that as an insurance agent, whatever it's good, everyone says you have to have a niche. I'm not so sure about that, but I do think you have to find back to the conversation about your ideal client, what you'd like doing or what your ideal client is. It could be personal. It could be commercial. And the best thing about this industry, whether it's in your agency or a different agency, a partner, is people in this industry love helping each other. We met. And when I told my father and mother that I was going to that conference, they were like, that doesn't happen. What do you mean? And it was like a, it was like a gloves off. I'm going to tell you exactly what I do to be successful. You're willing to tell me exactly what, because there's enough business for us to go around and we can just take from the big guys. So I think that as it relates to that piece about life and health or commercial or those kind of things, Figure out what you're good at, figure out what you like, never say no to anything else, just figure out who the right partners are in those places. And even if you get paid less, which you probably will, which is fine, that when that you want your client, when they hear the word insurance, they think about you. 
we don't do a lot of life and health. We have a partnership with an agency that does life and health insurance. Sure. And they do disability, and all that financial planning stuff. But I can't, most of our clients who we've introduced to them and we stay involved in the process, they still call us with their questions first because that's what I want. I want someone to think insurance and call me. By the way, even if I don't write their auto, I was talking about auto before, have a problem with your auto insurance, you're direct with Geico, Progressive, Allstate, State Farm, that's fine. Call me. I'll help you. I'm making enough money on the rest of your business that when you tell me you're on the side of the road, I can take a five-minute call, even if I'm not, even I'm not getting revenue for that line. But you, you want it to be NY Risk Advisor. Why did I start it? Because I want people, when they think NY, when they think risk that they have in anything in their life, I want them to call me. You know, I... Is it a huge brand? Do I have millions of followers? No, but like that's my thing. My license plates are NY risk. I want people to look at it. There's a QR code right next to it on my plate. I don't be like, hey, that's that's interesting. What is that? And I may be able to help them, I may not. But if you tell your client that you don't do commercial or you don't do personal, somebody else will. Somebody else will. Somebody will get to that business owner and become their one-stop shop, even if they don't do it. What you just said, there's one word that you said, I may not have a million followers, I may, whatever, but I want them to think about me and why risk advisor when they think about a risk, right? It's your brand. It's what you've established, but that doesn't happen without one key thing. What do you think that one key thing is, Aaron? And I'm not trying to make this a trick question because it could go a lot of different ways, but there's, in my mind, there's one key thing that makes NY risk advisor and Aaron Gordon down that path of branding. Love that word. Passion is going to probably be right there with the consistency. You're consistent as shit. Thank you. I try. It's very hard. But you have made it a point and a must that that's part of my, your daily operation. That's part of your daily routine. And if it doesn't get done, Aaron Gordon and why risk advisor doesn't become that name at some point in time for everybody. I think the other thing, and this is, I know you have a lot of young listeners and I'm, I guess, old for this industry because I've been doing it now more than 10 years full time and five years before that, is you never want to feel that you could have done something different on the sale. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get every sale, but, and listen, I just started with the social media thing a year, year and a half ago. And as a guy who loves to be in person and loves to meet people at a bar and do things like that, talking to a camera is really, really uncomfortable for me. Um, my family, some people think it's weird. Some people think it's funny. Um, some people don't, I'm an identical twin. So now my brother gets stopped by people who see videos on LinkedIn and things like that. And he may or may not like it. And uh, you know, I get stopped for things that he does. So it's fine. But in, you could do NY risk advisor one and NY risk advisor two and get t-shirts. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. He's not in the industry. He's in the healthcare industry, but, but I think that, and this gets to a lot of faith. And I know you're a man of faith and I'm a man of faith. So we kind of, you know, can agree on this, but you never, at the end of the day, I want to put my head on the pillow and say, I did the best I could for my wife and children and for my family and for our brand and for my legacy and for my parents' legacy and for our reputation. And that may or may not be social media for you, but if I'm going to do it, and you spoke about Bradley Flowers, when I was talking to him about getting involved in the social media thing, and he and I work very closely, I work with him on the social media stuff. He, you talk about your ideal client, right? Back to that also, he said, we will not work together. This will not work. We will not be able to do anything unless you commit to a year. Now, God forbid your finances change and you can't afford it. Sure. Yeah, that's, but we can have a results-based conversation on media 
unless you're doing it consistently for a year. Then we can look back. Don't come to me two months from now and say, oh, this thing only got 300 views. You got to do consistent consistently. Um, I also, I didn't think that people would be into it as much as they are. And maybe people like to make fun of me, but like I, everywhere I go now in my community, people say, Hey, you're the thing. You're, you know, people say, did you just record that video? I saw my house in your video. Cause you were walking by or things like that. And I do a lot of videos walking on the street in New York and I just did one. And then people loved it. And like, Hey, I love the background. People are commenting. So now instead of recording videos in my office, I just do them on the street. So I think you just have to find what works for you and go for it. It could be networking events. It could be you're sponsoring every single sports team in the neighborhood. Go for it, dude. Well, you do you and do it consistently and you'll, you'll see it. People, you said people, you, you know, whether people are making fun of you or people are, you know, saying, who's this goofy guy? What the heck's he doing? Like, no one gives a crap about insurance. They're, still, the they're still watching. That's exactly it. They still paid attention enough to talk that crap or whatever, right? They talk it all you want. You still watch my stuff. You so still talk about it. My line me. to everybody who says that to me is, is it so your video? Oh, you're not doing it. I say, would it kill you to like and comment? Would it kill you? And I have people who literally have called me, are not big in social media for whatever reason. They'll call me and they say, Hey, I just saw the video. You said something about a like. How do I do that? And then, like, all of a sudden, I say on my feed, they like, 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 I show them how to do one and they do like 50 likes. But you know what? Thank you. And I say, Thank you. Sure. And I go for it. And, you know, people say the hats and things. Our agency, we did no branding, no marketing. I think this brings the whole conversation full circle, right? My parents didn't believe in that. It was all referrals. It was all old school. Anything that didn't come from a referral was not going to be an ideal client. It was not going to come that way. And same kind of thing. I love my referral sources. I still do what, what I was taught. I reach out to them once a month, once a quarter, touch base with them whenever we have renewals of their clients. But I feel that a brand that cannot be recognized, personal or corporate, however you want your brand to appear, if people can't recognize you online or in person, they're not going to buy from you. It doesn't make sense. My father's right. It doesn't make sense that they should care what the response on Google is. When their lawyer, who they trust with everything else, or their accountant, who they trust with their finances, tells them, call Mitch and he'll take care of your insurance, that should be enough. Sure. But in 2022, it's just not. I don't know why, but it's just not. It should be, but it's not. And since it isn't, we need to figure out how in a way that works for us, we're going to do it. You do a podcast. I wish I did that. You do that consistently. You might write blog articles. You might be the person who reaches out to every single person in the media and tries to get quoted. There's this thing behind my shoulder. I was quoted in the Wall Street Journal. Happened through social media. I'm not great. No, I'm not a big rocket scientist. I'm not the greatest insurance agent in the world or the biggest. You added value. You have to find what works for you, you know? And when you add value, it makes a hell of a lot different. But you have to figure out how you can add value. Correct. The way you define adding value and I define adding value and the next listener. Should be different. Should be different because we yeah. all have different things. Sure. My value is my parents have been doing this for 50 years. Our family knows and we're deeply integrated and associated and connected with our carriers. And that means that I might not be the cheapest. That means I might not be able to pray, place every risk, but these are the carriers that I work with. These are the ones that I have the best relationships with, because in the end of the day, these are the ones that are going to pay the claims for me and for you. That's beautiful. You couldn't say that. I was going to ask you a question too. But I would say, but you're better. You're better at at the at the probably the onboarding process. So somebody who's going to send a lot of referrals, it's not going to work for me. I wish I could have mortgage people who send me fifty a week, but my I know that my agency would not be able to handle that. We got to get there. If I had a better process, it would be there. So you know, is what it is. 
we talk about the stay on the technology and content piece. And the big thing that I'm focusing on the 2022 year for myself is helping others become more educated. Okay. Like help helping my community become more educated about insurance, my customers be more educated about insurance and even my referral partners. It's amazing how many times I would probably put money on it that it's in the 90% range that when I get a first time home buyer insurance prospect, warm referral, hey, it's almost, it's not even a quote. It's a, hey, get this bound, right? And I call the customer after I send him a video and the quote, and I go through it with him. And his first question is, when I explain how it's billed directly to escrow or billed directly to your mortgage company paid through escrow, they are like feet stuck in mud, can't go anywhere. They don't know what the heck that means. Why is it, why does it come down to the insurance guy to explain the escrow piece. Well, more these mortgage guys and real estate guys are trying to get getting people in and out of houses, especially in the competitive market. They may not have that full flood fledged time to explain how insurance is paid. They may they may say it. This is how it's paid. We pay your insurance at closing. Great, boom. But what does that mean? So for me, I'm trying to put together a better of an educational library or videos and having our CSRs write down questions the most asked questions in regards to when someone calls in for a service or someone calls in for a new quote or whatever it is, what are your top five questions that you're consistently being asked? Turn those top five questions into a piece of content, whether it's a video, blog, whatever it might be, the video can turn into six different other pieces, but answer the questions, answer the issues. That's a Marcus Sheridan piece, right? You listen, you listen, you tell, or you listen to them. We tell, right? Well, and I'll tell you what's interesting. You know, there's, there's, plenty of people who will tell you that they don't like when their client asks questions because that means that they don't trust you. I mean, I'll give you a, a corollary. When I was in college, so I had to take accounting 101. And the professor said, you know, why are you taking this class? And I raised my hand. And I was a little bit of a whatever. And I was like, the only reason I'm taking this because it's a requirement. In fact, I'd actually like to be as ignorant as possible when it comes to accounting because we have an accountant that we're very close to. And if the IRS shows up, I just want to be able to tell them, hey, listen, I trust this guy with my life. Now you can, you can take that with insurance and you'll always have people who trust you wholeheartedly, but the internet is a thing. There's more knowledge at your fingertips now than in any point in history. It's one of the, it's one of the conversations I constantly have with my wife and I have a daughter who's in fifth grade. And it's really hard for me when I do her homework with her to like, not tell her there's this thing called the internet and we could just do this in 30 seconds. You know what I mean? And like, I, I understand math and, yeah, and you have to know math theory sure. and they'll give you a calculator to something like that. Like there are certain things that I'm just like, there is, there is no way when we were kids, right? You ha- there were certain things that like your parents felt it was important that you knew. Correct. Now, while you're sitting at the dinner table, if somebody says something like Boston Tea Party and you've never heard of that, you can literally under the table on your phone sound like the world's smartest historian about the Boston Tea Party when you just looked up the Wikipedia page. I could so, have just did that right now, right? Right. I'm saying, right. So, but we need to understand that we have consumers that are going to get knowledge elsewhere. And if they get knowledge elsewhere, that place becomes their thought leader. And if that person is their thought leader and that person sells insurance, we might have just lost our own sale. Correct. Like someone asked me, someone comes to me for insurance, they ask a question that you've done a piece of content on. And then they find you and all of a sudden they go through your funnel because it's easier than mine. Hanley's a great example of that, right? Yeah, so of course. Like, like the other day, I just wanted to see what it brought up because I was working on 
my content strategy of building this library, right? And I just looked up um, HV, um, things to know about HVAC contracting insurance or uh, workers' compensation for HVAC service contractors. Three or four down, and this dude isn't even close to me well, as far I as think, geographically, right? And it's Ryan Hanley's videos. I am convinced, and I have, I hope he's listening to this, but I, I would say this to his face. He's going to be more successful than 95% of the people that we know because he actually, he's doing it. But everyone else says that they're going to do, he does. And he, he built a library before he even sold his first policy. Because you could go out and sell policies, but how do you make sure the funnel keeps going? And it's, I mean... Whatever we can talk about how you should monetize that. Yeah, we're, but, we're not going to. That'll, that'll but you know what I'm But I think that people again. again, and you could do whatever, whatever it is that you're doing. He does those videos; they're consistent. You do a podcast. You do a blog. I do short form video content. If anybody, even Gary V, tells you that they have the right answer to that, they don't. That's what works for them. It might work for you. You might not like being on camera. You might like audio. You might like pictures. You might like any of those things, you know, but like, let's do it. It's kind of funny you say that because I'm a huge Gary Vee guy. Gary Vee is actually who led me to Bradley, which then led me to this whole great industry of amazing people like yourself, Aaron. But I have everybody, everybody has those in communities that they subscribe to, right? I subscribe to Gary Vee's get the text message every couple of days or whatever, just a little motivational, but I was sitting there. I had just gotten some pictures done, uh, professional photos done. And I was thinking about what the caption I wanted to say, you know, I'm proud of everything that I've done recently. I went through hell. I'm feel great about everything. I'm, pr- I'm proud of myself. And it's so for me, someone who died, I hate saying it. Like, I'm proud of myself. I really am, but I didn't want to put it be. out there. Right. Well, as I was deciding what, this is just crazy how the world works and why Gary V that made me think about this, Aaron, when you brought it up, but I'm sitting there debating whether or not to post it. Ding, phone vibrates. Gary B's in community. Talk about how, how life and uh, I believe things happen for a reason. And quote unquote, this is what he says. You're doing an amazing job. Stop beating yourself up for what you aren't doing and start cheering for yourself on what you are doing. And I think that hits so well. And I posted, I posted it right after, right? I posted what I was going to say. But it makes you, as a producer, being young, two, three years into this, right? It's you're, you're right now probably real pissed because you're like, "What's when's this going to take off? When's this going to hit?" But you have to be your own fan, and you're you got to push yourself to be the best producer you can possibly be without worrying about other people else. Don't worry about what your other producers are doing in the office. Focus, educate yourself, and put towards the effort, knowing that I'm putting in effort for this industry for the long game, not just for right this second. That's what you've done, Aaron. You're seeing that ROI has hit you like a, probably out of the middle of nowhere because you have trust of the process. You've played the think, long game. You know, Gary Vee is a great example because he's successful, and there have been plenty of people who have failed trying to do what he did. And that doesn't mean that there's any guarantees in life. But you know, I, have a, I have a billionaire quasi-mentor, not a client of mine, who I used to spend a significant amount of time with. And we used to just, I used to go to him for advice because I felt that there was someone who, he was someone who was uber successful. And my father and mother were a little bit more rosy eyed towards me because I was their kid. And I once finally got the guts up, guys worth north of $10 billion. And I once got the guts up to him and I walked over to him and I said, we were, we were you know, having coffee together. And I said, how'd you do it? And he looked me right in the face and he goes, 
luck and then hard work. And I'm like, you're a finance guy. You're smart. He's, when I was 28 years old and I was at X trading firm and I was sitting at one desk at the time there were no computers, right? And I bet on this stock for whatever reason I thought was the right reason. And the other guy who was in the cubicle next to me bet on that stock. Mine took off, his did it. Now all of a sudden I'm a genius. Now there are plenty of people who had the opportunity to do well and didn't work hard enough. But, and by the way, I'm also, I'm a Gary Vee junkie. I listen to everything he does, watch everything he does. One day I'm going to run into him on the street. It's going to be awesome. But he found what worked for him and he did it. And he, the most impressive thing to me about him, and this is the same thing in our industry is when he started Wine Library, nobody watched. Now it's very easy. And this is the thing that one of the people say about him, which is totally fine. And we're going on a little tangent, but that's okay. Is like, it's very easy for him to now say it worked. Yep. But you know what? Year three, it still wasn't working. Sure. And I would have jumped out. I don't know about you, but I would have jumped out of that pool. So, Quickly. Right. Not, not even three years. So I think that for each person, you have to find what works for you and realize that if you believe in this industry, then you got to commit to it. If you don't believe in this industry and you're just doing it because it's what your parents told you you had to do or your friends told you you thought it would be a quick buck, don't do anything, dude. Sit back, get your referrals, make a little bit of money, and then maybe you'll be in this industry long-term, maybe you won't. Bingo. But if you actually believe like you and I do, that six, 50 years from now, we'll be saying we've been in this industry for 60 years, like my dad and his friends, then you got to do something. Got to. But last, last thing I'll piggyback off of that. And I'm going to get to my favorite segment, five, five rapid fire questions, but to feedback off of that. Um, and, and you, you talk about the, you know, staying consistent, the, it doesn't work right away. If you expect it to work right away, you better just go ahead and not do it because you're not going to see that right, right from the beginning. Um, but then the baseball piece again, you know, you stay consistent with your work habits, you stay consistent with, um, Dude, I didn't even hit this one. You you stay consistent with the people you surround yourself with too. Are you gonna are you gonna go work out and take hit balls off the tee, take ground balls with the guys who would rather right when practice is over, the first thing they do is get on their cell phone and walk out of the like they don't want to get that extra work in. Wanna be that guy who surrounds himself and hangs out with the people that put in the extra work. Those people that have been there, done it. The upper the upperclassmen. You know, I surround myself with the people that I feel who I feel I learn the most from because if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I'm in the completely wrong room and I will never, I will never be in the smartest room with be the smartest one in the room ever. And I hope we hold each other to that. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's, that's what we should do. And that that's what you do. And not only just in your career and, but that's in life in general, you are who you hang around with. And my parents taught me that. I mean, that was something that my parents hit us from the beginning in the head. Listen, you hang out with the wrong crowd. You're going to be at the wrong crowd. You hang out with the good people, the people that are doing and making a difference every day. You will be that person that helps make a difference. And, you know, but the, if you're the smartest person in the room, get the hell out of that room, get out. Cause if, even if you're teaching somebody, right. If, if you're going to go, Aaron, if you're going to go speak to a group or you're going to go to a conference somewhere and you might be the speaker, you're still probably, you, you still probably aren't the smartest one in that room. You 100%. Just don't There's that still message. people there that can teach me something, right? Exactly. So. So understanding that. All right. Five five rapid fire questions. I will have you on again, because I think this is, we, we're got a good thing going here. And the energy I love, I could talk to you for hours, but my favorite segment, five rapid fire questions are usually in the same order. Sometimes they're not ADHD mind. You never know where it goes. First question though. What's your favorite color? Green. 
I should have said orange. My new, my I, I was going to say come on now. Oh, my color is orange, orange, orange. Don't edit that oh, out, but it's orange, orange. Okay, I love Don't it. kill orange. me, branding people. <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite? It's a jet flight? thing. It's a jet thing. I'm, a, I'm, a, unfortunately, I'm just like a, Gary. I'm a loser jet fan. So green, just Gary, if you're listening, please go. We're going to buy the jets with, together. Let's yep, buy you the and jets Aaron. together. Go do it. Which favorite flavor ice cream? Vanilla. You're an OG guy. I'm a I like purist. it. Purist. You spend twenty, spend twenty four hours with anybody dead or alive. Who would it be? My grandfather. Love that. If you could, if you could visit any place in the world, where would you visit? Jerusalem. Love that. Been Love there before, that. but want to do it again. And my grandfather unfortunately passed away uh, before I was able to appreciate <gasps> his greatness. So you know, oh. I was a little kid, but survived the Holocaust. Went through stuff that you know you want to talk about a hustler or a grinder. So unbelievable. I wish I would have. And my grandmother. I put, I put them both in the room. Sorry, two people, but they live together. Great story. I mean, that's that's not to talk about another person just worked his butt off to get where they're at. I, I commend commend all you guys for that. That's that's impressive. It's impressive. Last thing, probably my favorite question of the show. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to anybody, whether they're just now getting started in their career, just now getting involved in insurance, whatever it might be, one piece of advice that that you've learned um, over your your fifteen years in the insurance business, what would that be? Keep hustling. You know, I was going to say that. But the best piece of advice that I could give, and this is one of the most profound things my father ever said to me, and it's true, is there's no such thing as an ethical question. There is no such thing as an ethical question. If it's a question, it's unethical. And in the end of the day, like we said, you're going to put your head down on the pillow. Uh, One day, as men of faith, we're going to answer to something, whatever that is, or someone. And uh, I just want to be able to say that I did things in the best way possible. I, I might, I've done things wrong in my life, but there's no such thing as an ethical question. And when you wear your name on your chest, you got to realize that if it's a question, it's unethical and you got to run the other way. Bingo. You just couldn't have said any better, man. You were a phenomenal guest. I can't wait for this to drop to be honest with you. I'm excited. I'm excited. Aaron Gordon, NY risk advisor and Gordon companies, uh, insurance agency, Aaron, if anyone needs to get in contact with you other than New York Risk Advisor or NY Risk Advisor on uh, social media platforms, uh, what's the best way they can do so? GordonCompanies.com slash Aaron. That's IES at the end of Gordon Companies slash Aaron and everything's on there. Uh, you can list all my content. You can reach me, my cell phone number, everything else like that is there. You'll see all that information also down in the uh, comment section or even in the uh, in the description of the show. Go give him a follow. Go like his stuff. Um, have a conversation with him. It's wealth of knowledge and he's willing to give back and that's what makes this thing fun. Mitch Gibson, you're the MVP. You're the MVP. I appreciate that. You are too. You're right there. You're right there. You're killing it. Um, For myself, Aaron Gordon, appreciate everybody listening to the MVP podcast once again. um, It's been another one, like DJ Khaled said, another great episode. And always remember that you can make a difference. Everybody have a great day.